This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. It is Wednesday, March the 22nd, 6.56 in the morning Eastern Time. And welcome on in. It's the bullpen with Adam the Bull as part of the Bet Rivers Network. And yes, indeed, I got a lot of talk, lot to talk about today. Free agency may be over, or basically over in the NFL, but there's still a lot to get there, uh, a lot to get into with the draft just a few weeks away. In the NBA, can we get through these next three plus weeks as quickly as possible to get us to the NBA playoffs? The NCAA tournament returns tomorrow. But we'll start with baseball, the World Baseball Classic. Yes, I got into it big time this year. Did you? We'll get into that coming up. It's the bullpen with Adam the Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. When the World Baseball Classic started, I didn't remember what year it started. Um, my first thought was, well, this is a, like a lot of baseball fans, I think, in America. I thought, well, this is kind of a silly idea. Why are we holding a baseball tournament when Major League Baseball is the best thing going? And why are we doing this tournament before the season? I think myself, like many other American baseball fans, poo-pooed this tournament, thought it was a stupid idea, thought it was a money grab by baseball, which, it, I mean, it, it is to some degree, um, or a PR event or whatever you want to call it. So so why should I care? And And... I did feel that way in the beginning. I would watch games sporadically just because it's com- it's competitive baseball, which is better than spring training. Uh, but I, I never was overly into it as much as I love baseball. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a diehard baseball fan. It's been my favorite sport since I was a little kid, since I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, always. Since I can remember watching sports in the 76 is probably the first year I've recognized rec- Recollection of, I was five years old, uh, certainly 77, 78. I can remember games from those seasons, and I love baseball, still love baseball. Still remains my favorite sport to this day. Now, the NFL has significantly closed the gap over the years, but baseball by a hair still remains my favorite sport. And yet, I was never that into the World Baseball Classic. Well, this year, uh, actually, last time they had it, it, it started to change for me a little bit. Uh, but this year, I got much more into it. And of course, like like many people, and I don't know if the official word is out yet, but it was expected to be the most watched baseball game in the history of the sport last night when Team USA played Team Japan for the World Baseball Classic Championship. Now, I haven't seen the numbers as of early this morning. It won't be the most necessarily the most households in America, of course, but the most households uh, the, the most people watching across the world, obviously in Japan, uh, I'm sure, you know, Japan, somebody, um, I've had two people, I, I had a player say this to me that I knew who played in Japan 
And uh, yesterday, a friend of mine who knows another player who played in Japan said basically the same thing, that you think if you think the NFL is popular in America, that baseball in Japan is is even more popular than the NFL is in America. Japan is uh, in Japan. Baseball is by far the number one sport. Uh, Obviously, we know it's huge in Mexico. We know it's huge in uh, Central America baseball. Uh, and but it's in the Far East, it's it's huge, especially in Japan, South Korea. It's really big. So we're seeing the game expand. We saw Team England make some noise. Team Israel make some noise. Team, uh, um, well, those are the other two. those those are the two uh, countries that you don't think of with with baseball that that did have done something over the last a uh, couple of of World Baseball Classics. But it, the game is spreading. Uh, it's, it's starting to grow a little bit in Europe, which it's never been a popular sport in Europe. And so it's good to see. And so I think the, for their purposes of spreading the game internationally, obviously there's a selfish motive for MLB, but if I get good baseball, you know, who cares? Everything, they, everything, every sport does is a selfish motive. So I'm not going to get hung up on that. But, uh, as the game has grown in popularity, uh, I think this tournament's become more exciting. And here's the key to what made the, I thought the World Baseball Classic, and I'll get specifically into the championship game last night in, the, in a moment. But the key is that the players have gotten more and more into it. I think the players from the other countries have, it's it, it's it's been that way for a while. It seems like the American players, and maybe this is unfair to the American teams of the past, but it do, did seem like the American players this year were more into it at, at the same level as the players from the other countries than we've ever seen. Um, and and it led to, first of all, it led to some great baseball. There was some a lot of big comebacks, uh, a lot of great games. We saw actually Team Japan two nights ago uh, make a great comeback against Mexico. Uh, we saw Mexico what, one or two days before that make a great comeback against Puerto Rico. Um, so there's a lot of baseball talent out there. It's getting better. Mexico is getting really good. Uh, obviously South Korea is improving. And we talked about some of the, the, um, you know, European teams, but, but, uh, in the end, it came down to two of the best teams and maybe, you know, and arguably the two best teams right now in Japan and America. And it was a, it was a nail biter game. It was very exciting. Trey Turner gets the uh, American team off to a good start with the home run early, and he's had a a great World Baseball Classic. Uh, Team Japan takes a 3-1 lead. USA was really struggling late. Uh, Then in the – and then, you know, you see these matchups of special players. Now, the one thing I'll say that's a negative for Team USA is a lot of our top pitchers – uh, didn't pitch in the World Baseball Classic. And I know there's a segment of our fan base that, you know, if you're a Yankee fan and it's Garrett Cole or you're a Met fan and it's Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander uh, that are like, well, I don't want those guys to play. Especially, I'm sure Met fans are already salty because obviously Edwin Diaz got hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Now, let me remind you that as of two days ago, and I know this, because I'm a baseball nerd and I keep spreadsheets of every team's roster and including 
Uh, all players expected to go on the injured list at the start of the season. Yes, I'm insane. Uh, but as of Tuesday, there were 111 players expected to start the season on the injured list. So let's say by the time we get to a week from today or a week from tomorrow, when the rosters are going to be set for the start of the season, let's say there ends up being between 100 and 120 guys who actually start the season on the injured list. Yes, there are probably a third of those guys, roughly. I think I, I think I went through it, actually. A little more than a third. Say 40% of those guys that are dealing with injuries from last season that are still a factor or had surgeries in the offseason that are still a factor. But there are roughly 65 players who have been injured in spring training or, pre or, or exhibition games. So... I understand that there's more intensity in these World Baseball Classic games. And, you know, I've had friends say to me, well, they should play in the middle of the season. They should play at the end of the season. This is the best time for it. You don't want to stop the middle of the season. That makes no sense. You're all uptight about them playing right before the season because guys are going to get hurt. But you want them to take a two, three week break in the middle of the season. You know how bad that would be for the players that don't play to have three weeks off and then you got to ramp up again. That's a terrible idea. And at the end of the year, players are more likely to get hurt because they've already, especially the pitchers, but even the hitters. I mean, you've you've gone through a whole season. You've a lot in some case, a lot of cases, you will now be off a few weeks for the postseason, uh, and then you're going to ramp it up again and play in November. That doesn't make any sense. There's no perfect time in the calendar, but the way they do it makes the most sense. It's the time where you're le least likely to have an injury, but players get hurt there's nothing you could do and you can't you know you can't say well the world baseball classic guys are getting hurt we've only had two injuries that are going to linger into the season unfortunately there was the catastrophic injury with Edmund Diaz it's going to cost him the season or most likely the whole season and Jose Altuve got an injury that's he's going to miss a month or two they're two big names it's unfortunate but it was freak injuries. Neither guy, not a single player in the World Baseball Classic is missing any time because he hurt his shoulder, he pulled a muscle, you know, any of that stuff. They're freak injuries. Altuve got hit by a pitch, and Diaz got hurt celebrating, of all things. You, you know, you never know with these injuries. Um, it could, And like I said, there's there's roughly 65 guys that got hurt in spring training. Should we not play spring training games either? Guys get hurt. That's part of the sport. It To me, it doesn't ruin it. It's unfortunate. Nobody wants to see Edwin Diaz or Jose Altuve get hurt. It's uh, So it's unfortunate. But to me, it didn't ruin this at all. And then getting so getting back to last night. So to see now, I, like I said, it, maybe in, and, and the commissioner spoke yesterday. Um, and I've been hard on Commissioner Rob Manfred. I'm not a, I haven't been a huge fan overall. I think he uh, has made some mistakes. However, well, I'll get to that. The, the rule changes in a minute. But um, I, 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 I th he made the comment that uh, he would like to see some of the better American pitchers pitch. I think we'd all like to see that. Uh, well, not all, because a lot of people are uptight about it. So I, I know a lot, of, you know, especially my fellow New Yorkers. And uh, as a born and raised New Yorker, now I've been a Clevelander 12 years. I'm a mutt now. But um uh, I know my New Yorkers are, are especially uptight about this. They, they, you know, I think uh, New Yorkers are more likely to poo-poo the World Baseball Classic than any other group of fans. Um, 
but I would like to see some of the some of the better pitchers. There were some decent pitchers for Team USA. The lineup obviously was stacked. It was the best lineup out there. But ultimately, it came down to the eighth inning. It was three to one in favor of Japan, and you had obviously all these great hitters coming up. And neither you Darvish nor Shohei Otani uh, started in the in the in the game, which is obviously who are those are obviously Japan's two best pitchers. Although. They had the kid who pitched uh, in, the, in the semifinals who was throwing 100 miles an hour, uh, who was really good and and will eventually be in, in America, I assume. But he's really young, so I think he's got like five years before he comes to America. But anyway, so uh, but so then the eighth inning, Darvish comes in, and Darvish, uh, they pointed out, and they brought and, and by the way, John Smoltz was a great pitcher. Great pitcher. Um. And he is a good broadcaster. I'll give him that. But sometimes um, you got to let it breathe. Uh, I I don't like when the announcers over talk. Uh, This was a complaint about Bob Costas in the American League Division Series last year between the Yankees and and the Guardians. I know my colleague, Mike Francesa, uh, you know, clobbered Bob Costas for that and I was glad because I felt the same way. And I, I was a huge, I'm a huge Bob Costas fan. But, um, but Costas was awful in that series. I mean, no, I, 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 nobody, nobody, most people now don't care about um, stories from the 1950s and the 1920s. Uh, it, you, you know, too many broadcasters, especially on TV, you have to let the game breathe. Anyway. Smoltz seems to have a thing with Darvish. I've always felt for years that Smoltz just doesn't like Darvish. I don't know. It's weird. He's always crapping on Darvish. Anyway, kudos to Kyle Schwarber, one of my favorite players. Obviously, he helped my Cubs win a, win a World Series by playing magnificently in 2016, coming back from a catastrophic injury on the first day of the season to be the superstar at the World Series after missing the whole year. But Kyle Schwarber hits an absolute laser off of you, Darvish, in the eighth inning. It's 3-2. The American crowd's getting pumped. The players are pumped. Everybody's going nuts in the dugout. You may not care. You may be listening to this podcast, which I'm already 13 minutes or so in, and saying, why is he talking so much about the World Baseball Classic? Well, there's a lot of people who care, and i sorry if you don't. You missed it. Don't be such a curmudgeon, and I can be a curmudgeon. Don't be such a curmudgeon. So Schwarber homers as 3-2. Um, they get out of the, Then they get Darvish gets out of the rest of the he, Next batter, Turner got a hit. But then uh, Darvish got out of the inning. Okay. We go to the ninth. Team Japan doesn't score. We go to the ninth. It's 3-2. They bring in Shohei Otani. So now you have one of the best pitchers in baseball. Certainly, in my opinion, the best player in baseball because he's a top 10 pitcher and a top 10 hitter. We've never seen that before. Never. So, um, Otani pitches the ninth. The first batter up is uh, Jeff McNeil of the Mets. Speaking of the Mets, Jeff McNeil with a great at bat takes a three-two pitch, and that took a lot of guts taking that three-two pitch because that was just below the knee. I mean, couldn't be closer to a strike below the zone. It was a and, and I thought the ump called a good game. Um, he got that call right. They bring in Bobby Witt, the young speedster. Bobby Witt Jr., I should say. Certainly more promising. His dad was a good player. But anyway, 
uh, <clears throat> to pinch run, and you're thinking, okay, well, he's, you got to steal a base here. Mookie Betts comes up. They don't run. He hits a bullet up the middle. Double play. Okay? So now it comes down to this. Shohei Otani against Mike Trout. I mean, does it get better than that? Maybe the greatest young ball, you know, ball player now against one of the greatest baseball players of all time in Mike Trout. They are teammates. So they've never faced each other. Um, presumably, presumably good friends. And that at bat, if you didn't watch it, shame on you. It was so intense. Massive swings by by Trout. You could tell Otani. I mean, everybody's into it. 1 0, 1 1, 2 1, 2 2, 3 2. And the 3 2 pitch by Otani in the strike zone the whole way slides out of the strike zone at the last second. Mike Trout with a mighty swing. Boom. He misses. I guess I shouldn't have said boom if you didn't see it. You thought I might have thought he hit it. Swings and misses. Strike three. Team Japan wins. Uh, disappointing for, for Team USA. But it was a great game. And honestly, uh, if you are a hater, if you've made, I mean, I guess if you hate the World Baseball Classic, you've probably shut off the podcast by now because I've talked about it for a while. But if you're a hater and you're still listening, go F yourself, will you? Because I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And it was a great appetizer to me for the regular season. Spring training baseball stinks. We all get excited about pitchers and catchers because it means spring is coming. It means baseball is going to be starting soon. That's great. But then the games suck. Well, these games were great. Great. So kudos to the world of baseball and the World Baseball Classic. It was a highly successful tournament, the most watched ever, and I'm sure yesterday's game will be the most watched baseball game in the history of the sport. And that's good for the sport. And I love baseball, so I'm glad it happened. Uh, One other thing of note for baseball, again, my uh, MLB season preview. I was gonna go, thinking about doing it this week, but I'm pushing it back one more week till, till next week. I'm probably going to do it a week. From, in fact, I will do it a week from today. One week from today, uh, just before the season starts, my MLB preview special. Um, but one thing from the commissioner, he said that there will be some slight tweaks to the new rules. Um, I think especially on the pitch clock. I love. I- I'm listen. I never thought I'd like any of these rules. I'm sure most of the old school baseball fans don't like them. I love them. I think it's good for the game. Think about it. The average spring training game is 25 minutes shorter than last year's spring training games, and it's not just 25 minutes less. It's 25 minutes. It you're subtracting 25 minutes of downtime, of garbage time, no exciting time. Batting averages are up. Stolen bases are up. I'm expecting a much more exciting prop product played in 25 minutes, roughly less. Maybe maybe in the regular season, it'll be a 20-minute difference. Still, that's pretty significant. If we can average 230 to 240 for a game as opposed to three hours, now Yankees-Red Sox will probably still be five hours. But still, overall, if we can shorten the games up 20 to 25 minutes, that'd be great especially and have more action. Uh, but this idea that you have the batter has to like, in a way, acknowledge the pitcher before it hits eight seconds. 
uh, seems pretty silly. So they they got to work out the tweaks in it, which I think they will. But overall, I I think it's great, and I can't wait for the season to start. Um, so there you go. All right, let's get to the uh, let's take a quick break, and um, switch gears, talk some NBA and some NFL. Right here, it's the bullpen with Adam the Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, we are back, and. I got to tell you that the end of the regular season in the NBA to me is painful. Like at this point, and I know there's some, you know, unlike a lot of years, there are some interesting battles right now. Um, In the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia and Boston are tied in the loss column for the two seed. Uh, The Miami Heat are only a game behind the loss column in the Nets for the behind the Nets who have lost four in a row after they lost to the Cavs last night, uh, trying to get to that sixth seed, not have to play in the play-in round. Out in the Western Conference, there's only a three-and-a-half game difference between the four-seed Phoenix Suns and the 12-seed New Orleans Pelicans. So you look at a loss column difference of only four games between four and 12. So things could dramatically change here in the last couple of weeks as these teams have anywhere from eight to uh, 11 games left over the last few weeks. But um, you, for the most part, teams that, that play in the play and have no chance of winning. So I don't get that excited about it. Now you want to say the Lakers who at the moment are out of the playoffs at the moment, the Lakers are tied with new Orleans for the 11 seed in the West would, would leave them even out of the play in. Uh, obviously, they have 10 games left because they're 35 and 37. You want to say if they get in, they got a shot because they have LeBron? Okay. I mean, with LeBron, even at his age, I'll never count a team out with LeBron that makes the playoffs. I still think it's highly unlikely. I mean, their defense is terrible. LeBron's injured. He's supposed to be back, but I think it's and, – and, and the rest of these teams, Utah, Minnesota – you know, a Dallas, again, like the Lakers, you got Doncic and Kyrie potentially, but Kyrie's such a disaster. I, I mean, I don't know. The rest of these teams, we'll see. Right now, Golden State would not have to play in the play-in round, but like we said, it, it's all so close. It could go any way. I mean, they're they're only they're tied in the loss column with with Oklahoma City, Dallas, and Utah, the eight the seven, eight, and ten teams. And only uh, one game ahead of the lost column of Minnesota, L.A., and New Orleans. I mean, in theory, Golden State could be in, like, 13th place or 12th place by a week from now. Uh, We'll see. Uh, And they haven't played well. They've lost six of their last ten games. But really nobody in that that group is playing particularly. You know, you know who's playing well is Oklahoma City, of all teams. Uh, Kudos to them. They've played well here of late. But really, nobody in the West is playing great basketball. At the moment, uh, Memphis has gotten a little hot. They've won three in a row, but <clears throat> with that situation, it's it's a bit of a mess. I mean, the East appear, you know, it 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 does feel like I know the Celtic, the Sixers are right there, uh, so I guess I shouldn't count them out. But to me, I, I I'll be surprised if the Milwaukee, Boston, and I expect Milwaukee and Boston to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. And after years of dominance by the West. Um, right now, I think the Milwaukee-Boston winner is very likely going to win a championship. 
I, I'm not even sure who to pick out of the West. You you look at the top team, you know, Denver, they've done they they I mean they have a great record. Um they're 48 24, which is the best record in the West, the fourth best record in the NBA. But and they have the guy who's gonna maybe win his third straight MVP, but they've done nothing with him in the playoffs. And they're a mediocre team on the road. If they they're just lights out at home. Now they're gonna have home court in every series they play till the finals. But uh I don't know. I, I they haven't even gotten to a conference final, so I, I I have no faith in them. We know Memphis hasn't done much. Right now, the three seed is Sacramento. I mean, who the hell could have predicted that? I mean, Sacramento has a, a really good chance of finishing as the three seed. I, nobody saw that coming. But they've dropped two in a row. They have no playoff experience whatsoever. And they're not particularly good defensively either. So I, I just don't know what to make of the West. The teams that have a lot of the proven stars are the, are the team, teams that are further down with Durant and Chris Paul and Booker with the Suns and and the guys on the Clippers. Obviously, we know the Warriors guys talked about LeBron to some degree, Doncic and Kyrie in the eight seed. But none of those teams are playing particularly well. Now, maybe in three weeks when the playoffs start, things will turn around. But uh, I don't know what to make of the West. All I know is Milwaukee and Boston are really good, and I expect one of those teams to win the NBA championship. Um. So there you go. All right, let's uh, switch things up to the NFL. Free agency now at this point is wrapping up. You've still seen some guys uh, signing. Yesterday, you saw some kind of small, in the last couple of days, seen some smaller level signings. Uh, Some interesting names of note. The Texans signed Dalton Schultz and Devin Singletary. I don't really know what to tell. And they traded Brandon Cooks. Uh, I talked about that on Monday a little bit um, with Cooks getting traded to Dallas. I'm not sure what Houston's doing. I mean, they're obviously they're going to draft a quarterback. Uh, I, I some of these short-term deals for like decent veterans, I don't really understand. Like they sign, they're signing all these slow guys. Schultz is a nice player, but like Singletary, Noah Brown, who they signed from the Cowboys. Um, it's been curious moves. Like I don't, I, I, they're a team that's obviously in transition. They're starting over. I don't really see the point of these one-year contracts with these mediocre players. It's not like baseball. Like in baseball, sometimes a team that that thinks they have a chance to compete, the Texans have no chance to compete. I mean, Texas, they're not competing anytime soon in that AFC. But like in baseball, um, you'll see teams that think they could be a fringe contender. And I'll, I'll give you an example of my team, the Cubs, right? I don't think the Cubs are a contender this year. They think they could be a fringe contender. They should be better. I, I expect them to be around the 500 team, maybe just below. They've signed a couple of veterans this year to short-term contracts. Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, um, Cody Bellinger, right? In baseball, the reason you do that, even if you're a team that not, probably is not realistically going to contend, even worse teams like the Pirates signing Carlos Santana, you know, to some degree, um, you do that because, A, you want to have some professionals on your roster. In the Pirates' case, it's to have some pro, you know, some proven vets on the roster. They're a young team. For the Cubs, it's, okay, we got a chance to compete if everything goes right with these guys. If it doesn't, well, some of them will do well, 
and then we could trade them for more chips for the future. But in football, it doesn't really work that way. Like, if, if the a guy like Devin Singletary or Noah Brown, the Texans can't trade those guys, even if they do. Let's say they tra- they're able to trade Devin Singletary during the season. What are they getting, the sixth-round pick? Like, the, you're not making the move for that. Could you trade a Dalton Schultz during the season if he's having a really good year? Yeah, I guess. But, again, what's the best you're going to get, a fourth-round pick? So teams don't make those kind of moves in the NFL for that reason. But whatever. I mean, at least the Texans aren't throwing in the towel, so I guess I shouldn't be critical of a team that's at least trying. Um, but at, at this point, most of the good free agents are off the board. The interesting stories that remain in the NFL, I think there's three very interesting veteran free agents. Odell Beckham Jr., who I've talked a lot about. Bobby Wagner the linebacker who, of course, was great for Seattle for many years and then was great with the Rams this past season, and they cut him as a cup casualty. Uh, not a uh, cup casualty, as a cap casualty. And then, of course, Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys, who's obviously no longer a Cowboy, as he was cut for cap reasons as well. Now, I've talked a lot about Odell, um, so I'll, I'll kind of leave Odell for a minute. I think the other two guys are fascinating because – I think it's two different. I, I think they're two veteran. Like Odell hasn't been good really for years outside of the postseason with the Rams where we played well. Um, but and and but Bobby Wagner has not really had a drop off. I know he's old, but he hasn't had a drop off. Now Zeke has had a drop off the last two years. He hasn't been the same player. Clearly, Tony Pollard's been the better back in Dallas. Um. But Zeke's been hurt a lot. I, I still think there is something left in his tank. A lot of times when a running back gets up there and starts to decline, he's out of the league. I don't think that's going to be the case with Zeke because I think there's still some. He's not the player he was. We all know that. But I still think he can be at least an adequate player for for a contender. As part, you know, in the NFL now, most teams have a two man backfield. Most teams. Uh, there are exceptions. Obviously, we know the Giants with Saquon Barkley, the Titans with Derrick Henry, the Chargers for the most part with Austin Eckler. Um, I think the uh, the Browns this year will be that way with Nick Chubb. Um, Jonathan Taylor had been that way with, in Indianapolis two years ago. I'm probably forgetting one or two other examples of this. I'm quickly going through the running backs in my head. Uh, but for the most part, most teams like uh, uh, at least a two-man group, if not, in some cases, a three-man group. And I think Zeke, as part of a tandem, could still be an effective player, and especially in the red zone and on a fourth-down situation. He's good at, at, you know, he's big and strong, and he could get you that that tough one-two yards. He's not breaking the big ones like he used to. Now, maybe if he gets fully healthy, because I don't think he's been fully healthy in two years, maybe, but I, I think he could still help a team. However, guys like Zeke and Bobby Wagner, the reason they're out there, especially Wagner, because he's been a free agent for a while now, um, they're probably looking for more money than any team's willing to pay player of their status. It's it's good players. In Wagner's case, still a very good player, but they're older. Uh, they may Wagner may be looking for a multi-year deal. I'm not sure, because I haven't heard much of his name at all. But I'll be curious to see where they where they fit. Um, you wonder at this point, usually at this point, once we're I know it's only a week into free agency technically, but once we're at this point, when you have a veteran who was a good player, Wagner and Zeke, 
a lot of times they'll wait till training camp to sign. There's an injury, you know, like teams after the draft, at least teams like, well, we need this, we need this, whatever. Um, Bobby Wagner could still help a team. Um, my The local team I cover, of course, the, the Browns, uh, I think Bobby Wagner is a perfect fit for the Browns. The Browns linebackers are awful. They don't have a single decent linebacker. Um, I think Bobby Wagner is a perfect fit, and I think there's a lot of teams he would fit well, but I, I do think the Browns are, are a great fit for Bobby Wagner. Uh, in terms of Zeke, I think, I think it, like I said, especially for him, I think there's going to be teams now that want to see if they can get a young back they like in the draft. And he's probably looking for more money than anybody. At this point, the running backs that are signing, they're getting two, $3 million. And Zeke, at this point, is not going to want to play for that amount. Now, he may have to change his tune eventually, but it's hard for guys like him to get in the mode where they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm only going to play for $2 million or I'm not going to play. So we'll see what he decides to do. But um, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, we'll continue to keep an eye on the Aaron Rodgers situation if news breaks there. Haven't heard anything on that in the last couple of days. There has been some rumblings that maybe the Colts uh, could be interested in Lamar Jackson. I'm fascinated to see what ends up in that situation. Obviously, he is frustrated with the team. Uh, It's not a great situation. Uh, Finally, the NCAA tournament continues tomorrow. Um, And uh, I I think the game, honestly, that I'm most interested in is watching if Princeton can make a run. Uh, You got a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Very unique. Can they get to the Elite Eight? And I think it's very realistic. I mean, uh, Creighton's a good team out of the Big East, but it's not like they're a powerhouse program. And Princeton beat Missouri, who's in the same class with Creighton. And obviously they beat Arizona, who'd been a lot better than Creighton. Now, week off, time Creighton's had time to prepare. Um, things can change. We'll see. But uh, obviously I'm rooting against Alabama. I always root against Alabama, especially with what's going on there. So we'll see if Stan- San Diego State can pull that upset there. Uh, but anyway, these games all coming up uh, Thursday, Friday. And what a shocker that Tom Izzo again is the lone representative of the Big Ten uh, that makes it to the Sweet 16 after he and they lost to Ohio State, an under 500 team in the Big Ten tournament. And yet, when it comes to the NCAA tournament time, Michigan State always in the mix. They almost they always seem to get to the Sweet 16. And shout out to, um, oh, what's his name? The coach at Fairly, Fairly Dickinson. Uh, I got to find his name. It's going to drive me crazy. Tobin Anderson. Thank you, Monzo. Tobin was on the Mike Francesa podcast. Was he? I didn't see that. <clears throat> I'm going to have to go back and listen. New coach of Iona, by the way. Yeah, and what's, what's what I love about it is, I don't know if you saw this, but <clears throat> he was being in. He, I, I didn't, I'm going to go listen to Mike's interview with him. But I saw a written interview. I don't remember what it was, ESPN or something. But uh, he got the Iona job. As you say, Iona needed a new coach because Rick Patino went to St. John's. I'm a huge St. John's fan. I'm not a big fan of Rick Pitino personally. He's not a great guy, but he's a great basketball coach. So selfishly, as a as a St. John's fan who's watched his once proud university, uh, not that I, I didn't go to St. John's, but I've always been a St. John's fan since I was a kid. That was like Brooklyn's team. And so I'm a huge St. John's fan, and I'm excited that he's there as a coach, not as a person. But I've learned to separate the two over the years. I don't have to root for every person. 
But if guys on my team, I'm rooting for him. Patino's going to turn St. John's around. So Tobin Anderson. Yes, Tobin Anderson. Uh, <laughs> one of these days I'll remember that. Anyway, so he goes from Fairleigh Dickinson to uh, Iona. But what I loved in in the uh, – in fact, I'm looking for the, the – th- I'm trying to find the – I can't find the exact quote. Oh, you know what? I tweeted it, so I'm going to go get it now. And I know a lot of people won't care, but I love it because he, he gave some shout-out. He gave a shout-out to my alma mater. I went to a Division three school called Brockport. Uh, if you're from New York, you may have heard of it. If you're not from New York, you've probably never heard of it because it's a small school up in upstate New York, western New York, between uh, Rochester and Buffalo. But um, I was – so in an article, he said uh, – this was the quote from, from him – he said, loves Division II, Division Three basketball. I'm more apt on a Tuesday night to watch a D2 game online than an ACC game. My buddy coaches at Oswego State, and I'd rather th- watch them than play su- watch them play SUNY Brockport than Duke play NC State, which I love because this big-time head coach mentions my alma mater, SUNY Brockport, Oswego State in, in the same conference in the State University of New York Conference. In the same sentence with Duke, that was really cool. So, anyway, good luck to the coach in Iona. Hopefully, Rick Pitino wins at St. John's. And that's it for me today. Uh, I'll be back Friday. Uh, although, if we have some breaking news tomorrow, I might do a Thursday podcast. But for now, the plan is to be back Friday. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thank, thanks to Monzo. Thanks to all of you for listening. This has been the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, part of the Bet Rivers Network. See everybody. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.